everybody, and welcome back to another Logan Blackman show. I know, two shows in a week. When We, we haven't done this in a really long time. It's been, it's been a fat minute since we've had shows on a Monday and Wednesday. I think, like, if we went back to the last show I did before Monday, because obviously, if you're new to the program, we restarted the show this past Monday on 420, and the last show I did before that was only an hour long, and it was on March 9th, and we that was a Monday, and we haven't had a consistent show since then. Since March 9th, or actually, let's just go through the, the whole thing. So, March 9th, March 6th, March 2nd, so we missed the 4th. So, when's the one we've had there? The last time we've had back-to-back-to-back shows was... February 24th, 26th, and 28th. That is the last time we have had a consistent show on the Logan Blackman Show. We've gone a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday back-to-back-to-back. And we are about to break that trend this month in April. Right now, it is April. Not right now, but, well, I guess it is It is right now, I guess. But it is April 22nd. And if you are aware, aware of your surroundings... Which I'm assuming most of you are, because you all, you all are so intelligent. You guys are the most intelligent people out there. That's why you listen to the Logan Blackman Show every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on whatever time you're listening to, because this isn't a radio show anymore. It's a, it's a full-blown podcast <laughs> podcast now. But if you're aware of your surroundings, and you are aware of what day it is, then you are aware of what is going on tomorrow. That is the 2020 NFL Draft, the greatest day of the year. The NFL draft, other than watching sporting events like the football games and the basketball games, baseball, soccer, hockey, out of all those days, when those aren't going on, I love the NFL draft. The NFL draft is is arguably my favorite day of the sports year. Day one of the NFL draft, arguably my favorite day of the sports year. I like day two and three. I've watched the draft, the entirety of the draft for I think the past four years. It's a trek. It's a little bit of a... It's a trek. I will, I will say that it is a it is taxing after a while. But if you're just doing nothing, or if you're working around the house just to have it on in the background, like just put it on your laptop or something, that makes it awesome. And we've got something planned for tomorrow for the 2020 NFL Draft, the first round. One of my childhood friends, Tyler, and I will be doing like a. I guess you could call it a lot. It's not, I don't know if it's a lot. If we're going to do a live stream, we're just going to post a video or something about it, but we're going to be talking about the picks, analyzing each pick as it goes on, like a real Daniel Jeremiah, Mike Mayock kind of guy out there. Mel Kuyper for your ESPN fans out there. And Mike Mayock, ironically, is the Raiders GM. Tyler is a lifelong Raiders fan, thanks to his dad, much like my dad is a Buffalo Bills fan. His dad. Lifelong Raiders fans. The weird thing. The weird thing about it is, until recently, I don't think either one of them had stepped foot in the city of which their team played. My dad and I went to a Bills game in Buffalo for the first time in I think it was 2016 or it was 2016, 2017. I can't remember. It was against the Patriots. Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback of the Bills at the time, and um. Yeah, he marched the team down the field in the very first drive of the game and then threw a pick in the end zone just to suck all the life out of the stadium. Because it was like, first drive of the game, they're going super fast. It's like, this is a great way to start a game. 
perfect way to start a game. And then it just goes down the toilet after you throw a pick in the freaking end zone at like the 10-yard line. Patriots went on to win that game, obviously. Tyrod got hurt. Nathan Peterman came in, didn't do anything special, and the Bills made the playoffs that year. <laughs> thank you to the Cincinnati Bengals, and thank you to the Chargers for not having a kicker, because without you, the Bills would not have been in the playoffs that year. I know everybody likes to credit Tyrod Taylor for leading the Bills to the playoffs with his 14 touchdowns that he threw that year. Which, to, to Tyrod's credit, he was unfairly scapegoated in Buffalo by the coach, like by the, I don't know if you want to call it by the coaching staff, but by the fans. He he's just what he is. He's not anything. He's not going to win you games. He's going to be a calm, cool presence in the back. He's not going to turn it over that much, and he won't do anything to impress. He's like another version of Alex Smith. Like he is what he is. He can move a little bit. He can throw a really nice football. He's pretty accurate, and he won't turn it over. But that's, it's not anything like spectacular. It's not like he's just launching the ball down the field. It's why the Chiefs traded up to get Patrick Mahomes, to elevate their team to the next level. It's why the Bills traded Tyrod to the Browns, who then Bills ended up drafting Josh Allen. So the more exciting quarterbacks is what teams looking for. Tyrod's not that exciting, but he'll get you, he'll get you decent results. He won't do anything stupid to your team. Let's just, let's just say it like that. And then going into this year, he is projected to be the L.A. Chargers starting quarterback. And with the draft coming up tomorrow, we will have to see whether or not the Chargers will draft a quarterback. Now, Anthony Lynn, again, as I said earlier, worked with Tyrod in Buffalo. Anthony Lynn was the running backs coach of the Buffalo Bills, elevated the offensive coordinator, then elevated the head coach, and worked with Tyrod in that season that he was there in Buffalo. Or season or two, he was there in Buffalo. He loves Tyrod. He's always been adamant that the that the age of the immobile quarterback in the NFL, the stand-in-the-pocket quarterback, is coming to an end. He's always been saying that since he's come to Los Angeles or San Diego, wherever. I think it was Los Angeles when he first came. Or were they still in San I can't, I can't remember. But, yeah, that's he's been adamant that a quarterback needs to be athletic. And Tyrod fits the bill of what he wants to do. So we'll have to see what the Chargers do in the draft. Again, draft is tomorrow night at 7 Catch on like, what is it, ABC, ESPN, uh, who else is it, NFL Network obviously, uh, who else has it, ESPN, Deportes, and a couple other stations I'm guessing will have the draft, ESPN, NFL Network are doing like a joint broadcast, so that'll be very interesting to see what they do with that, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kiber will be on the same stage, and see what Daniel Jeremiah does to own Mel Kiper with his draft knowledge. Let's see. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. For today's show, with the draft being tomorrow, we, of course, got a mock draft to do today. Final mock draft of the mock draft season. So we got that planned for you. We're going to do it live. I didn't actually fill one out. I'm doing it on the run. I'm just going to just do whatever, make trades live. And, yeah, well, not well live now, but not live when you're listening to this because this isn't getting broadcast anywhere live currently right now but before we get into that we've got other things we want to talk about the Chargers came out with new uniforms yesterday so we got a uniform bracket including all of the teams in the NFL goes through each team's division so we'll start off with like the AFC North and the divisions are put up in alphabetical order I didn't rank the jerseys already and then put them in a legit bracket I just threw them in alphabetical order division division winners go out play another division 
those two go on to play in the semifinals, and the two teams go in the final. As tournaments mostly work, but before we get into that, we've got some very, very big news coming out of the NFL. And I mean, it's not that surprising, I guess, but no one wanted to see it happen, I guess you could say. Because Rob Gronkowski, Patriots legend, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, if not the greatest tight end of all time, has reunited with TB12 down in Tampa Bay. That is not ideal for (laughs) the NFL. Tom Brady reuniting with Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, the 24-7 champ of the WWE, or 24-hour champ of the WWE or whatever. And that's when the kind of the rumor started of he was training down in Tampa and they were going to, or training down in Florida. I guess, I don't know if it was in Tampa or not, but training down in Florida and that's where the kind of rumor started picking up of him going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in the trade, it was a trade, obviously, because he was still technically on the New England Patriots roster. And it got, what did it say? The Pats received a 2020 fourth-round pick, and the Buccaneers got Gronk, obviously, plus a 2020 seventh-round pick. Gronk always said also, because he retired, he also said if, he, if the passion would, for the game would come back, he would come back to the NFL. And seeing Tom Brady playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers probably just ignited the passion. Does he not want to play for Belichick? Kind of the exact opposite in personalities, Bill Belichick and Rob Gronkowski. So, we'll see how they do down in Tampa. But, man, the a- the NFC South, man, they have got some of the best, like, weapons in the NFL. The NFC South's crazy in the weapons regard. <laughs> like, if you look at each team in the NFC South, you look at what teams have. You, let's start with the Buccaneers, obviously. You got Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. Chris Godwin on one side. Mike Evans on the other side. Rob Gronkowski at tight end. Still, O.J. Howard's still there, but how long? We don't really know. They could trade O.J. Howard in the coming weeks, days, whatever. He that he's on. It looks like he's going to get traded. So we'll see what happens there. But, man, those... Godwin, Evans, and Gronkowski with Brady throwing the football? Goodness gracious. And Daniel Jeremiah said Clyde Edwards-Alaire from LSU would fit in perfectly with that with that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense with his pass-catching ability out of the backfield. And that's just what we don't need in the NFL. We don't need the Buccaneers to be like, man, we could make a really, really good team. And Tom Brady goes on to win another freaking Super Bowl. So, as of right now, the Patriots... Out of, like, NFL fandom. Or not the... I keep saying the Patriots because I've just got Brady and Gronk in the brain. According, like, to NFL fans out there, if you go on social media, the Buccaneers are already in the Super Bowl. Brady and Gronk reunited. Jeez. It's just not what we needed. It's not what we needed. But that team got so much better this offseason. Uniforms got better. And the team, as a, in general, got better. Crazy. Now let's move on to the other teams in the NFC South. You got the Falcons, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You got Hayden Hurst. Yes, you lost Austin Hooper, but you got a good tight end in Hayden Hurst. And then you signed Todd Gurley in free agency. Your offense in Atlanta, for the Falcons fans that are listening, and I I know three of them, so there's if any of them are listening, maybe one of them is. But your whole offense, I think minus one person, is all are all first-round draft picks. 
All the weapons you have outside are first-round draft picks. Ryan, Gurley, Julio, Ridley, Hayden Hurst, all first-round draft picks. Now, Hayden Hurst is older than, <laughs> than some of those players, but actually, I really don't know if he is. He might be. He might not be. I really I don't know. I didn't check to see. I know he's old. I know Hayden Hurst is old, but that's all I know about him. But that team's crazy, too. And then you go to the Saints, the best team in the NFC South right now, who have very little holes, if any holes, on their roster going into this upcoming season. You got Breeze, you got Michael Thomas, you got Emmanuel Sanders in free agency or trade. Was it trade or free agency from San Fran? I can't remember. And you got Alvin Kamara in the backfield, Jared Cook at tight end. The Saints, though the Buccaneers are much improved, the Saints are still the top dog in the NFC South. Until other until until proven otherwise, the Saints are still the best team in the NFC South. That's just fact. They they have been the best team in the NFC South for the past few seasons. Falcons have sucked. Panthers haven't been very good. And the Buccaneers have been the Buccaneers. So the Saints have been pretty much unchallenged. So and that's why it's nice to see the Buccaneers getting some good pieces to potentially challenge the Saints to the top of the NFC South. Maybe the Falcons finally realize their potential and stop getting hurt on defense, stop being so inconsistent on defense and actually challenge something. And then you got the Panthers, who don't have the same type of weaponry as the other teams in the division. Now, you got Teddy Bridgewater from New Orleans. That's a good sign. I like Teddy Bridgewater. You got Chris McCaffrey, the best running back in all of football. So there's that. There's nobody in the NFL that does what Christian McCaffrey does. It's insane. Christian McCaffrey is freaking insane. I'm very happy for him that he signed his new contract. He's very deserving of it. He is the best running back in the NFL, bar none. No one does what he does. And any if any running backs are out there trying to get contracts, comparing it to Christian McCaffrey, you can't. Because no one does what he does. No one catches the ball out of the backfield the same rate that he does. No one makes the breaking runs that he has. He's the best route runner on the Panthers. He could play wide receiver. He could line up in the slot easily and be a Pro Bowl, all-pro wide receiver. That dude runs some of the cleanest routes from the backfield that I've seen in a very long time. Very, like, you could look at the likes of LT, Marshall Falk. Very similar type back to those guys. Can catch the ball. Can do everything. That's what Christian McCaffrey is. And only have the best player in the division, their team is arguably the worst in the division. Their own line's not very good. Their defense isn't very good. They lost Luke Keekley. They lost their best corner in free agency. They have nobody on the interior D-line. They just have a bunch of holes on defense. Their own line's not very good either. Yes, they got Russell Okung, but that's about it on the O-line. They don't have anybody really on their team. I get Who's their wide receiver? DJ Moore is a solid option out wide. Actually, not solid. He's a good option out wide. They lost uh, Greg Olson to Seattle this year, too. So, as far as weapons go, they have the least amount of weaponry in the NFC South, in a loaded NFC South. Absolutely loaded NFC South. It's, cra- it's crazy to think about. And as we were talking about Chris McCaffrey, Colin Cowherd the other day, or yesterday released his top 10 players in the NFL. If you did not know, this is every position in the NFL rate from 1 to 10. At number 1, he had Russell Wilson, best player in the NFL. And I am like Colin in the fact that I love Russell Wilson. I don't think there I think he's vastly underrated. I think him and Drew Brees 
are the two most underrated quarterbacks in NFL history. Those two quarterbacks have done so much for their teams. Drew Brees has numerous records. I have him as a top five quarterback of all time. Joe Burrow agrees with me. He put him at number two. I did not have him at number two. I had Montana at two and Manning at three. He had Man- he had. I think he flipped uh, Montana and Breeze in his list. But so he had Brady, Breeze, Manning, Montana, and Joe Namath. I had Bre- Brady, Montana, Manning, Brady, and Marino. So we're very similar. Enlist. Drew Brees does not get thrown in that mention of top five quarterbacks of all, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, enough. And Russell Wilson does not get talked about enough as being one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the NFL, enough. What he does for the Seattle Seahawks, I did this a few years ago when I visited William Penn. Two of my friends down at William Penn are Seattle Seahawks fans. And... They love Russell Wilson, obviously. And I straight up said, if you guys didn't have Russell Wilson, you guys would be a 5-11, and 4-12 team every single season. The fact that Russell Wilson can drag your sorry team to 8-8 eight and eight is amazing. Now, the Seahawks have done better in over the past year or so. They have done better adding pieces for Russell Wilson, getting some good wide receivers, got Greg Olson experienced tight end, got a good running game with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Good one-two punch there in Seattle. The defense is starting to build back up again. Off to line is still garbage, and their pass rush sucks, but they have done better at getting weapons and helping out Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is a top-three quarterback in this league, and I think there's only one, maybe two, quarterbacks better than him. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes does so many good things. He won the MVP in his first full season as a starter. He won the Super Bowl in his second full season as a starter. Super Bowl MVP, league MVP, records bre- record-breaking numbers along the way. Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous. And it was kind of funny. I saw a clip from uh, Matt Miller who does the – he's the NFL draft scout for Bleacher Report. He actually really, really liked the pick – Patrick Mahomes going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Same with Chris Sims. Chris Sims gave the pick an A+. Uh, Matt Miller gave it an A. So, like, Patrick Mahomes is insane. I put Lamar Jackson up there as well. I think those are the top three quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson. You can flip-flop Jackson and Wilson, whatever you want. Because you have to throw Lamar Jackson there. Second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. The other being the GOAT, Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is the GOAT, but... What he did last year is freaking insane. He's the first quarterback to run, throw for three over 3,000 and rush for over 1,000. And he led the league in passing touchdowns, which is ridiculous to think about, about a quarterback running for 1,000 yards while also leading the league in passing touchdowns. He had 36 touchdown passes, I think. That is insane. Those are the top three quarterbacks in the league right now. I think you could throw... Uh, Carson Wentz up in that list. You could throw Breeze still in that list. This is for like top five to get him in there. Rodgers maybe. Rodgers didn't have as great of a year as he usually does. Comparative numbers to Kirk Cousins, they're about the same, at least from last year. So you can argue about throwing them in there or not. But, yeah, I think those are like – those are the three unquestionable best quarterbacks in the league for me. 
Now, I do not think, I do not, where I disagree with Colin, with my love for Russell Wilson, is I don't think he's the best player in the NFL. So here's the Logan Blackman show top 10 players in the NFL. I think the best player, overall player in the NFL, is Aaron Donald. Nobody can do what Aaron, there's so many times that dude gets doubled up the middle. He's a, okay, before I get into that, he's a defensive tackle. Leading the league in sacks. That is crazy to think about. Nobody, like, the amount of times he gets doubled and still blows past people is amazing. Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. I've said this for the past few years now, and I still stand by that, that he is the best player in the NFL. And I know him, along with the other Rams players, had a down year last year. They missed the playoffs, had that Super Bowl hangover. But he is still the best player in the NFL. Uh, number two, I think, is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, again, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving, best one of the top 10 best route runners in all of football, and he's a running back. Like, you look at the best route runners in football. you got Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs is up there. Uh, like, Christian McCaffrey does not is not far off those guys. And he's a running back. Chris McCaffrey runs some of the smoothest routes in the NFL. Dude is freaking amazing, and that's why he's the highest-paid running back of all time. Chris McCaffrey is freaking insane. Uh, number three, now I think you can rotate two or three. I think that's very fluid with two or three, but it's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is either the second-best or the third-best player in the NFL. Nobody can – he can make every freaking throw on the football field. When they played the Colts – and I'm aware they lost this game, but in the middle of the game, I went to go get some, I think I went to go get ice cream with my sister or something, and I just call, I talked to my dad after I dropped my sister off, and I was like, Dad, when it's all said and done, could we really be saying that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time? And my dad goes, he has to win a Super Bowl first, and then we can talk about it, which winning a Super Bowl is like the number one thing for a quarterback. That's like the main thing that gets held over a quarterback's head is if you won a Super Bowl. Now, that makes you truly great. And now Mahomes has a Super Bowl. And he won Super Bowl MVP. And he won a league MVP. His second year in the league starting, because he started one game his rookie year, his second year in the NFL, his first full season starting, won league MVP through 50 touchdown passes. His second year starting in the NFL, Full-time starter. He wins a Super Bowl, wins a Super Bowl MVP. Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes, you could either throw him at number two or number three. I'm not really picky about it. I just think those top three, and I'll even throw in number four on this. Actually, the whole top five, there is not one person can do what these guys do in my top five. That's what makes these guys the best players in the NFL. Nobody can do what they can do. There's not one person that can replicate it. Aaron Donald, there's not an interior pass rusher like Aaron Donald in the league right now. He is unchallenged in that. Christian McCaffrey, there's not one running back that can do what he does. The route running ability, the rushing ability, the breakaway speed, the catching ability, what he does for the Panthers offense, nobody can do that in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, nobody can make the throws that he can make. With uh, coupled with the athletic ability that he has, because he is very athletic, and has an absolute piss cannon for an arm. 
I have a little joke that I like to throw around every once in a while. Cannon can only fire at one speed. Patrick Mahomes has that. Patrick Mahomes has a freaking hose, has a freaking cannon, whatever you want to call it. The no-look passes, which I'm happy he kind of stopped doing that. But the left-handed pass he threw against the Broncos, I think, his first year in the NFL. Or first year starting, first year starting. No one could do that. Number four. Again, you could rotate four and five around, I feel. But number four on this list, I have George Kittle. The best run blocker in the NFL is a tight end. I think you could throw Quentin Nelson up there as well. But I think George Kittle is the best run blocker in the NFL. His dad played off the line, so he obviously, or played, he taught George a bunch of blocking drills when he was younger. So it just felt natural to him. He can catch everything. He has, he is deceptively fast. (laughs) He is very fast. He runs over everybody. He can make any catch in the field. Duke could do everything at the tight end position. He is the best tight end in football. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Hawkeye fan. I truly believe he's the best tight end in football. And he is up there with one of the best overall players in the NFL. George Kittle at Iowa, and I said this on Monday, had was really athletic, could block, but didn't put up great numbers receiving because he had, well, you could say that because C.J. Beathard wasn't a very yards quarterback. He was a very conservative quarterback, C.J. Beathard. Wasn't like Nate Stanley. Wasn't like Ricky Stanzi. Not like Drew Tate. Not he. Beathard is a very conservative quarterback. He would run. Beathard's one of the toughest dudes I've ever met. And George Kittle, they're best friends. It makes perfect sense they're best friends. Both the toughest dudes I've ever seen in a Hawkeye uniform. George Kittle is a top five player in the NFL. He might be number one because PFF, Pro Football Focus, actually ranked him number one in the NFL as out of all the players in the NFL. Now, I've said this on Monday, Pro Football Focus has its flaws, but the fact that any he gets mentioned in the top five players is ridiculous. I think he is easily a top five player in this league. Maybe number one, maybe. I'll put him at number four right now. Number five, I think it's Lamar Jackson. Nobody can do what Lamar Jackson can do. There, I can say that with full confidence because he, what he did last year has never been done. <laughs> he threw for 3,000 yards and rushed for 1,000 and led the league in passing touchdowns. That has never been done before. That I can say with full confidence where I said everybody in this top five, nobody else can do what they do. Nobody's done what Lamar Jackson's done before. Literally, that's not an opinion where you could go like, well, this guy can do like, oh, Aaron Rodgers can do everything Patrick Mahomes can do. Oh, Travis Kelsey can do everything George Kittle can. There's never been a player, like you can use the lazy comparison of Michael Vick with Lamar Jackson. Athletically, very similar. As far as full-blown quarterbacks go, the only way Vick is comparable to Lamar Jackson as far as quarterbacks go is the Vick in Philly. The Vick that everybody wants to talk about when comparing him is the one in Atlanta. Vic in Atlanta, yes, I will say this about Michael Vick. I love Michael Vick. One of the most exciting, one of the most fun players to watch in NFL history. Vic had an absolute piss cannon of a left arm. That dude could probably throw it 90 yards. I'm not even joking. I think Vic could throw it 90 yards (laughs) flat-footed. Vic had an insane rocket attached to his left arm. But the thing was... It wasn't always accurate. 
He would overthrow a lot of people. Players would drop it because the ball was coming at 100 miles an hour every single time. But it looked pretty every single time. The ball was a perfect spiral every single time. And no, Lamar Jackson does not throw a perfect spiral. But Lamar is a thousand times more accurate than Michael Vick. Lamar is a way better quarterback than Michael Vick. Same athlete, way better quarterback. That's why I think this even Michael Vick has said the comparison's lazy. Like you just look at him athletically and go, yeah, they're the same. They're not. Lamar's a way better quarterback. Lamar has uh, did things last year that nobody's ever done before. That's why he's number five. Number six, uh, I'll throw in Russell Wilson. This is where I feel like he comes in. Because Russell Wilson single-handedly carried the Seahawks close to playoff for so many times. It has been, much like Breeze, it's been a crime that he does not have an MVP to this name yet. It's crazy to think about. Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl ring. Where a lot of people that look at that ring credit that to the Legion of Boom, and that's fair enough. One of the greatest defenses of all time. But Russell Wilson is crazy. Behind that garbage offensive line in Seattle, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that could do what he does. He is a freaking magician. Russell Wilson is. Russell Wilson's a magician. And I have it number six. I think you can flip him around with number seven if you want to. I think Cleo Mack. Yes, Cleo Mack did not have an amazing year last year. But Khalil Mack is a top 10 player in the league. Khalil Mack changed the Bears' defense. The reason the Bears are even mentioned in the same breath as the NFL playoffs is because of what Khalil Mack brought to the Bears. At the time, the Raiders' trade with Khalil Mack was stupid. But we could see the Raiders building something kind of nice now in Las Vegas where they're going to be playing this year. But the Bears do not care because they got one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. A top two defender in the NFL. I would put him up there with Aaron Donald as the best defender in the NFL. Khalil Mack changes games. Khalil Mack changed the Bears. The Bears were not a good team the year before. They got Roquan Smith in there, and they got Khalil Mack, and that completely changed their defense. They were feared on defense. They still are kind of feared. They went, what, 7-9 last year? 8-8? Eight and eight? I can't remember how exactly that record was last year. But Khalil Mack's insane. Khalil Mack is utterly ridiculous. Uh, number What number are we on? Number 8, I have Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints wide receiver. Michael Thomas was in the race for the MVP. Yes, a race. there was a race last year. For some of the season. Yes, I know Lamar Jackson won the United States MVP. I am aware of that. I am well aware of that. But Michael Thomas did some insane things last year. Michael Thomas is just an insane wide receiver. He catches everything. That is also because he has one of the most, probably the most accurate quarterback in NFL history throwing him the football. But even Breeze throws an off ball every once in a while. And Michael Thomas will 90% of the time catch it. Michael Thomas is ridiculous. I thought about throwing Julio in here, but that just shows the greatness of the NFC South. I think, and Colin said this yesterday, I think, if you would make a list of the best wide receivers in the NFL, you could make it out of the NFC South. Thomas, Julio, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, those guys will be talked up there as the best receivers in the NFL. That's how crazy that division is with receivers. But in this list, I'm going to throw Michael Thomas in there at number eight. You could probably fl- you could flip him with... Ru- with 
any of these guys if you wanted to because he's that good of a wide receiver. Uh, number nine, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry carried the Tennessee Titans to the friggin' AFC Championship game last year. He led the league in rushing last year, and he got the Tennessee Titans past the New England Patriots in Foxborough. He got past the 14-2 Ravens in Baltimore. But they just ran into a buzzsaw of the Kansas City Chiefs, which a lot of people going into the playoffs knew they would make the Super Bowl anyways. I had them in the Super Bowl at the start of the year. I knew the Chiefs were going to make the Super Bowl. It was just a foregone conclusion at this point. They were ticked off about last playoffs. They were motivated. They won the Super Bowl. Derrick Henry carried the Titans, and he's a big dude, so he can carry that team to the AFC Championship game. The Titans in the AFC Championship game. They beat the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium. They beat... The Ravens at MNT Bank Stadium. Like, who does that? Those are like some of the most hostile environments in the NFL, especially in the playoffs. Teams don't go in there and get dubs. Derrick Henry carried the Titans to a dub in that one and got them to the AFC Championship game. Number number 10 uh, is Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is much like Russell Wilson. It's a, it's a reason they're on the same team is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He was in the 99 club last year for Madden, and yeah, he's the best middle linebacker in football. I think he needs to get talked about more as one of the best players in the NFL, and I'm glad that Madden put him in the 99 club because that dude is insane. You got two of the most underrated players in the NFL on offense and defense in Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner in Seattle. Like, that's just crazy to think about. Like, those two are studs and they need to get talked about more as the greatest players in there, or not the greatest, the best players in their position. Caught myself. So my top 10 going over it again was Aaron Donald 1, C-Mac 2, Patty Mahomes 3, you can probably throw him at 2 if you want to, George Kittle 4, Lamar Jackson 5, Russell Wilson 6, Cleo Mack 7, Michael Thomas 8, Derrick Henry 9, and Bobby Wagner number 10. I feel like that's a much better list than what Colin put out there yesterday, at least in my opinion. I hope most of you can agree with me on this list because I really feel like these are the best 10 players in the NFL. Now, if you wanted to, you could probably throw in Khalil Ma- or um, Julio Jones in there. You could throw in Drew Brees, Zeke, Saquon Barkley. What other players could you probably throw in there? Uh, Quentin Nelson could get thrown in there as well, easily. He's the best guard in football. So yeah, you can make you can make arguments for a lot of players in that list, but that is my top 10 players in the NFL. And we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman show, but when we come back, we got some uniforms to talk about. The LA Chargers released their new uniforms yesterday, and they're good. They're good, but do they how do they stand up against the rest of the NFL? We got a uniform bracket coming up. AFC versus NFC. Who will come out on top? in the NFL uniform bracket. Stay tuned for that coming up right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show brought to you by Nobody Airing Live on Nothing. We are just here in the basement. We're basically calling this the Basement Podcast. I like that name, Basement Podcast. 
We're in the office of my house over here in Urbandale. And I was in the office at my house. We have a bunch of random crap from middle school. Actually, that's not random crap. Just Not just from middle Just from everywhere. We have random crap in this office. Like, I barely got room for the setup that I got right now. That's how much crap we got. <laughs> I'm sitting next to my Thomas the Train collection, Lincoln Logs, and Tinker Toys with a Transformer sitting over there, buzzing Woody from Toy Story sitting behind me. Uh, yeah, but in my search of finding random crap in this house, I found uh, my fifth grade like memory book thing or whatever. I'm going to read Logan Blackman. Right here with my Iowa Chops shirt on. If you don't remember the Iowa Chops, man, you're missing out. If you never went to an Iowa Chops game, you missed out. Iowa Chops games were awesome. I went with my current roommate, Steven, a lot to Iowa Chops games in fifth grade. And just they were just awesome. Loved going to Chops games. So I'm rocking my awesome Chops shirt right there. And voted most likely to, out of... Miss Bartecki's fifth grade class, and I got some friends that <laughs> really, really don't like Miss Bartecki. One of them in particular, but we're going to remain nameless unless, if like some by some random coincidence, Miss Bartecki listens to the Logan Blackman Show podcast. But most likely to be a sportscaster, Logan Blackman. Man, what are we doing now? Doing sportscasting stuff. So yeah, graduating class of 2009, 5th grade. Crazy. 2009, 11 years ago. That's just crazy to think about. We're that small at one point. I look at my cousins that I got right now, and some of them uh, are in or around 5th grade. Like, man, I was that short at one point. It makes me feel weird that we were that small at one point. I was tiny. Until, like, my sophomore year of high school. I was short. (laughs) I didn't weigh a lot either. God, how things have changed. (laughs) I was, like, I say I was under five foot until about freshman year. And then I started going, I got to, like, five foot five during my freshman year. And then I grew a little bit more my sophomore year and then just stagnated around my junior at six foot or five eleven, five ten or whatever. Now I'm at six foot, so but that was just a I was so short. I weighed one hundred and sixty six pounds going into my senior year. Like my junior year of high school, I weighed hundred and sixty six pounds. I weighed one hundred and ninety pounds my senior year of high school. So, from freshman year to senior year, I shot up probably a whole foot and gained probably about 80 pounds. Like, that's just crazy to think about. 80, 80, 70, 80 pounds probably. Craziness. But, you know, when I was in high school, even now, I guess you could say, I always had the swag. I always looked clean. I was always fresh. I always had the fr- the nicest or not that I could get <laughs> the stuff nicest stuff for me. Okay, 
I had to go out and spend a lot of money on clothes or something. But my shoes were not fresh ever. I wore shoes like if I got them the first week of the year, like as you do, you get back to school shoes. I would get those and then throw the or not throw them away, but like get rid of them at the end of my year of school. I hated getting new shoes. I'd like I got a pair of shoes I like. I'm gonna keep on wearing them. That's what I've been doing. But I always tried to look as cool as possible. And there's some NFL teams that be looking cool as possible as well. Some teams releasing new uniforms. Others are just cool with the ones they got. Like that transition there. Man, I had the swag. These teams got the swag. That's just a chill transition. That's a smooth transition by Logan there. And so that leads us right into our NFL uniform bracket. Now, again, the L.A. Chargers released new uniforms yesterday. And my verdict on the L.A. Chargers, let me pull them up on Twitter real quick. Just so I can have a, a visual of what, while I'm talking about them, just look at them while, just so I can picture them, I guess. I don't know. So here they are. They released six new uniforms. And I love them all. I love them all. Their primary ones, I'm guessing, are the the powder blue and white pants. Love them. And they went retro, retro with their second uniform. Second and third uniform on this list. The powder blue with the gold pants with the number on the helmet. That is Lance Allworth. Like, if you look up a picture of Lance Allworth, that uniform is what comes up. That exact uniform. Now, it's a little different. They had some white around the, the lightning bolts on the pants and on the jersey, but that's pretty much what it looked like. And that's when the Chargers, where everybody had the, the agreement, Chargers had the best uniforms in the NFL. Those powder blue jerseys the Chargers have are the best uniforms in the NFL. But did they make it to the championships of the Logan Blackman Show jersey bracket? We'll have to see. But as we go on the uniforms... The all-white uniforms are super clean. I love all-white uniforms. Like, we rocked, in high school, we rocked the all-white look for the away games most of the time. Unless we played on grass, then we wore purple pants. But the all-white look for uniforms is sweet. I love when teams dress in the white jerseys and white pants. It just looks clean. And even if they got white helmets like the chart, that makes it even cooler. I love the white the white ones. And then they got, of course, the color rush jerseys of the years on the years past, which were well documented as the best color rush jerseys in the NFL. Just made some slight changes to that to match the other uniforms. And then my favorite one, the navy blue uniform. They brought back the all navy blue look. They even had the all navy blue look since LT and Drew Brees were teammates. Like that's a Sick look. And then my favorite part about the navy blue one is they matched the lightning bolt on the helmet with the one on the jersey. See, Rams? That's how you properly do it. Navy blue lightning bolt on the jersey with a yellow light outline. Navy blue lightning bolt on the helmet with a yellow outline. Navy blue face mask, too. That's how you properly make a uniform, Rams. Don't just change the helmet. Change everything. But I love these uniforms. I really like the first one. The powder blue with the white pants. That's the best uniform combination in the NFL. 
to me. I don't know if that gives away any spoilers or not, but that uniform is fantastic. I'm impartial to the yellow pants. I'm not a huge fan of yellow pants. I'm just not a huge fan of yellows in uniform and football uniforms anyways. But at least it's not the jersey. I hate all yellow football uniforms. I hate them. Those are my least favorite uniforms in football. The Hawkeye ones they wore last year, garbage. I hate all yeah. I love them. It's it's weird because they they work better in basketball, which is weird to think about. But they yellow all yellow works better in basketball than football, to me anyways. I don't know why, but it just does. I just never been a fan of yellow jerseys. They just so hard to make those look cool. Like if you look at those ugly Packers ones that have been talked about for years, or the Vikings talked about yellow uniforms, those are gross. The Cyclones with their Ronald McDonald uniforms, disgusting. I hate yellow jerseys, but I am fine with the yellow. I just, it's fine. But my favorite one is the first one, and then the all-white one, and then the navy blue one. Those are my favorites. So with that being said, let's just dive right into the NFL uniform bracket. Now, when for this bracket, we went by division. So we just went the NFC North teams, the AFC South teams, I didn't rank the uniforms ahead of time. So it's just alphabetical order, which is unfair <laughs> in a couple situations here. But we'll start off in the NFC North, as we AFC North, as we usually do here on the Logan Blackman Show. Go north, south, east, west. A comes first in the alphabet, so we'll start with the AFC. And this Baltimore against Cincinnati. Now, if this was the Baltimore Ravens when they first were the Baltimore Ravens, they would not win this one at all because they had that. Uh, go look up the old Ravens uniforms. Like the first year of the Ravens. Look at that ugly logo they had on the side of the helmet. It's like a shield with wings around it with a B in the middle. Like it's just ugly. So happy they changed. They came to their senses and put an actual Raven on the side. The all black Raven ones are dope. The Bengals ones, there is way too much going on. Way too much going on. I don't hate them. I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of them. So, with that being said, the Ravens win that one pretty easily. I'd give them like an 80-20 victory on that if we're going by percentage. Cleveland Browns versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Classic uniforms here. If this was last year's Browns uniforms or two years ago Browns uniforms, landslide victory, 100% Steelers. But since we are talking about the Browns uniforms coming back to their like retro look, I guess, that gives them a little bit more of an edge here. I'm kidding. It's like an 80-20 again. Steelers ones easily win that one as well. It's the Hawkeyes uniforms. Hayden Fry literally stole the Steelers uniforms and gave them to the Hawkeyes. Like, that is not, like, a mystery. That is a fact. If you want to look like, if you want to play like winners, you got to look like winners. So you put them in the Steelers uniform. So, yeah, Steelers would easily win that one. And then the Ravens-Steelers will just do this by division. Uh, Steelers beat the Ravens. Again, pretty simple. Uh, it's closer than the ones I would give them like a 70-30, maybe 60-40 pushing it. But yeah, Steelers win that one pretty easily. And then uh, going to the AFC South, Houston versus Indy. This is arguably the worst division for uniforms in the NFL. I don't like these <laughs> these uniforms that this division has are terrible. I hate all of them pretty much. But with the Colts in Houston, Colts win that one. I'm not a fan of the Houston Texans uniforms. And the Colts are just simple. 
I'm a fan of simplicity when it comes to uniforms. I don't like too much going on. And that's why the Colts had the victory over Houston. Jacksonville versus Tennessee. Again, do I need to preach? Do I need to repeat myself? The Tennessee Titans uniforms are terrible. I do not like them at all. This is our first 100% victory here. If this was the Jaguars with the gradient helmet, then we would have no no winners here. We would just say both teams forfeited and both teams died in a plane crash or something. Like, those two uniforms, if there was the Titans jerseys now and the Jaguars uniforms with the gradient helmet, no contest. But since they, the Jaguars changed their uniforms, they actually look really cool now. The Jaguars win that one pretty easily. 90-10, maybe. And the Indianapolis Colts versus Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm giving it to the Colts. Colts have had the same uniforms their entire existence, pretty much. And I just like that. Same with the Steelers. I just like that. And between the Steelers and Colts, since they'll just meet up in the Final Four anyways, we'll just say the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Indianapolis Colts in the Final Four. So Steelers, or I guess the Elite Eight, but Steelers moving on to the Final Four. Who will they face? Moving on to the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. Now, Dolphins one's a little interesting because if the Dolphins went with the ones that they've had when they won the 72 championship, then we'd be talking about one of the best uniforms in the NFL. They need to keep those retro uniforms all the time. They do not, I do not like the ones they have now. So this is our first 100% victory. Buffalo beats the Miami Dolphins 100% to zero. Easily. Dolphins just switch back to your retro ones and you'd, you'd be a closer competition. New England Pagers versus the New York Jets. Two teams that have come out with new uniforms in the past two years. Jets came without theirs, came out with theirs last year. Patriots came out with theirs this year. And the Patriots win that one. Red, white, and blue is just a better color combination than green, black, and white. It just is. Like, that's pretty much it. I just don't like the Jets uniform. I don't like the green helmets. I just don't. Jets won a Super Bowl with the white helmets. You went to the green helmets in the 80s and 90s. You were terrible. You went back to the white ones. Then you got to two AFC Championship games back-to-back. Why did you change the uniforms again? I don't like the green helmets. Never change a uniform if you wanted something, unless you're the Patriots, and it's cool. You can change back to what you want. I don't care. <laughs> like, look at the teams that have been successful. Steelers, never change their uniforms. Colts, never change their uniforms. Won two Super Bowls, or won a Super Bowl. Won, yeah, won two Super Bowls. Chargers, going back to their uniforms. The Rams changed their uniforms. Now they're coming back to the ones they had when they won the Super Bowl. The Browns were good with the uniforms they had now in the 50s and 60s. Changed those nasty ones a few years ago and won one game in two years. Never change a uniform if you won in said uniform. And your uniform, if you change the uniform, make sure it actually looks good. I'm not a fan of the green helmets with the Jets. And the green and black just looks stupid anyways. Uh, against the Bills and the Patriots, Bills win that one. Uh, Bills got one of the more underrated uniforms in the NFL. I love the uniform. I love the color rush ones, the all red look. I just like the uniforms a lot. Hopefully with the new helmet rule, they're going to change multiple helmet colors. Uh, the Bills can bring back the red helmets for one game or whatever. The AFC West. Now, I think the Western divisions in the NFL have the best uniforms in the NFL. AFC West, NFC West. Best uniforms in the NFL. 
Those two divisions. Best uniforms in the NFL. A lot of history in those teams, too. With the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs, though, landslide victory for the Chiefs. I hate red and yellow put together, but it's better than the Broncos uniforms. I do not like the Broncos uniforms whatsoever. They are not good uniforms. I'm not a fan of orange. My sister's room was all orange. Literally, my dad painted my sister's room orange. I have a, a natural hatred for the color orange. <laughs> it was bad. It hurt your eyes looking at that. I just don't like the color orange, especially that much orange that the Denver Broncos throw in their uniforms. So Chiefs win that one easily. And this one is the hardest one out of all uniform topics in the NFL. This is the most unfair one out of everyone. That the fact that you made me put these two teams together is ridiculous. The LA Chargers versus the Las Vegas Raiders. This is not fair. Out of the history of the NFL, it is well documented and well talked about that the Raiders and Chargers have the two best uniforms in the NFL. It's well talked about. This is a 51-49 vote here. And the Chargers win because I hate the Raiders. That's pretty much it. That's, that's pretty much it. I just... I, the Chargers uniforms, I'm so happy they went back to the powder blue uniforms for a full time. The powder blue uniforms the Chargers have are the best uniforms in the NFL. The Raiders, the silver and black is one of the most, like, legendary looks in the NFL. They have not changed their uniform one time. I think they've changed their logo once or twice. That's it. The Raiders have done the exact same thing. If you will go back to the early parts of the Raiders' history, they have the same uniforms. They're classic. But the Chargers, I have to give them the edge there. Close. Closest margin we have there. And uh, Chargers landslide victory over the Chiefs. And the Chargers beat the Bills in the Elite Eight to go on to face the Pittsburgh Steelers in the semifinals. Now we're on to the NFC. NFC North, Bears versus Lions. Classic uniforms. The Bears beat the Lions. Again, I'm not a huge fan of orange uniforms, but the Bears don't do it all the time. It's not all orange. Their orange uniforms they had with Erlacher, like those alternates they had, if they wore those, then we'd be talking about something different. But the Bears uniforms that they have are just... I love the Bears uniforms. They're just classic. And the Packers versus Vikings. Vikings, easily. I don't want... I'm not going to move... I know the Packers haven't changed their uniforms. I know it's classic or whatever. But... Green and yellow is just not a good color. It just looks like throw up and pee. That's what it looks like. And that's my reasoning for this. Minnesota wins. And then the Vikings versus Bears. Close one. But I'm going to give it to the Bears. Close one. I love the Vikings uniforms. I think they got really sweet uniforms. The matte helmets are sweet. But I'm going to give it to the Chicago Bears in that one. NFC South, Panthers versus Falcons. Uh, Panthers. Easy. Panthers win that one over the Falcons. I've already stated my dislike for the Falcons uniforms. I don't really think I need to explain that that much. They put a guy named Grady Jarrett in a gradient uniform. That, that alone makes the Falcons' uniforms atrocious. I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to be funny. Trying to be creative, but no. Stupid. And the New Orleans Saints versus the Buccaneers. uh, Saints. 
win over the Buccaneers in a close one. Saints got classic uniforms. Black and gold just looks good. And then the Panthers versus the Saints, this one is a hard one. This one is very hard. Because I, I kind of like both uniforms. Black and gold versus blue and silver and black. I don't know. Who do we want to move in there? Let's give it to the Saints. Let's give it to the Saints. Saints, black and gold is just sweet. Love the Saints uniforms. I like the, I like the Panthers ones. It's not hating on the Panthers. But I like the Saints ones too. And for the Elite Eight matchup, we got the Bears against the Saints. We're going to go forward with the Bears. We're going to move the Bears forward. Bears just got a classic look. I'm going to move them forward. NFC East. Dallas versus the Giants. Uh, Cowboys have one uniform. That's it. Giants move, <laughs> Giants move on. Uh, it's white and silver. And randomly wear a blue one. Like, nah, nah. The Cow- Giants move on. Eagles versus the Redskins. I don't like either one of these uniforms, to be honest. Both these uniforms stink. I hate the color green the Eagles have. And I'm just not a fan of the Redskins uniforms at all. I don't like the maroon color they got going on there. But I'm going to move the Eagles on in a close one, I guess. And the Giants just beat the Eagles pretty easily. I don't know. I love the 80s Eagles uniforms with Randall Cunningham uniforms. Those are nice. So maybe try to go back to those a little bit more often. And then the NFC West. Cardinals versus the Rams. If this was last year's Rams with the white horn on the helmet and the gold horn on the jersey, we'd move the Cardinals on. But... The Rams are changing their uniforms. I'm guessing back to the original L.A. uniforms. This uniforms they won the freaking Super Bowl in the 90s. The Rams move on. And then the Niners versus Seahawks. Niners move on. Not really a contest there. And then arguably the hardest matchup in the later rounds out of any of them. The Raiders-Chargers was tough. This one's super tough as well. But, jeez. We're going to move on the Rams. We're going to move the Rams on for the L.A. uniforms that they've had and won the Super Bowl. And the Eric Dickerson, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, like that team, those uniforms are awesome. And then the, the Rams beat the Giants in the semis to move, or the quarterfinals to move on to the championship. So we have the AFC semifinal with Pittsburgh and the Chargers and the NFC with the Bears and the Rams. Chargers beat the Steelers. Rams beat the tra- beat the Bears. So we have an all-LA matchup in the final. And I'm going to give it to the LA Chargers. The LA Chargers powder blue uniforms are the best uniforms in football. I said that when we were talking about the uniforms accidentally. I didn't even mean to say that, but it gave away already. So if you were listening to that, you already knew it was going to happen. You already knew the Chargers were going to win the stupid thing. And they did. I love both of the LA team's uniforms. They're just great jerseys to look at. And... The Chargers walk away with the victory there. And for the NFC or for the the third place matchup with the Steelers and Bears, um I'm gonna give it to the Steelers just because they have the Hawkeyes uniforms. <laughs> or the Hawkeyes have their uniforms. This is my only reasoning behind it. So the final three is the Chargers, Rams, Steelers. That is your top three uniforms in the NFL, according to the Logan Blackman show. Yeah. I love new uniforms. I love when teams get new uniforms. New uniforms are just awesome to look at. They're just they're just fun to talk about. New uniforms. Who doesn't love a new uniform every once in a while? 
getting new uniforms is exciting. Whether you're on a football team or not, just looking at the team's new uniforms are just fun. So, yeah, that is our uniform ranking. And we have got almost exactly an hour left in the Logan Blackman show for this Wednesday afternoon edition, or almost afternoon. I guess it's not even noon yet. But it will be when you're listening to this because this will be posted afternoon. And after this little short break, we will be revealing our last mock draft. It will be mock draft live because I didn't fill one out. I couldn't. I, I, every, the, it's so easy to fill out a draft like a month before. As you get closer to the draft, you start questioning every little thing you have ever thought because there's so many rumors that come out. The drafts that get released the day of or day before the draft are the worst mock drafts out of all of them. Because that's where everybody starts lying. You heard how many teams have talked to Justin Herbert? How many teams do you think are actually going to draft Justin Herbert? (laughs) The Lions, maybe. The Giants, no. Dolphins, maybe. Chargers, maybe. Panthers, maybe. Like, you got all these, the Falcons, Buccaneers, Patriots, Saints. Like, you got all these teams that just, like, these teams have done extensive research on these quarterbacks. Which one likes them the most? That's the problem we have here. But we're going to take a quick break here right now in the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. Mock draft 5.0. NFL draft comes out tomorrow, so make sure you watch that on ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, wherever you want to watch it. Just watch it because it's going to be a fun one. First, I think it's – is this the first, like, ever, like, computer draft? It's like a fantasy football draft. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird to watch, but it will be fun because the draft is always fun to watch. So stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for after this little short sound bite I'll throw in there and post it, post-editing, I guess, and Mock Draft 5.0 comes up right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on Nothing on Spotify or SoundCloud. Make sure you go follow both. We're posting on both streaming apps again because we post on SoundCloud for a while. There's a lot of older podcasts on SoundCloud from the Logan Blackman show, newer stuff on Spotify, but I felt like why not just post on both again? Like might as well. We have both. So just keep doing both. It just made the most sense. It just made a lot of sense before we move on. Right now in Urbandale, Iowa, it's 73 degrees and mostly sunny. Montgomery, Alabama is calling me. I don't care. And it feels like 73, so it feels like what it is. There's a 10% chance of rain. Wind coming out of southwest at 21 miles an hour. The air quality is good. If you're listening in Cedar Falls, it's 66 degrees and mostly cloudy. Rain expected to come around 5 p.m. tonight. Air quality is good. Feels like 66. Winds coming out of south southwest at 15 miles an hour. And I just went upstairs for a little bit to fill up my, refill up my water and get some, go to the bathroom and get some lotion on my hands. Cause if you're like me and safe, trying to save the world from COVID-19, you're washing your hands a lot. And if you know, washing your hands, it'll dry your knuckles up like crazy. My knuckles are super dry and they hurt. So I've been putting lotion on my hands. But the thing is, I am very like, I just can't do... I hate lotions. They make me cringe. Like I get sunburnt super easy. 
I get the most sunburn out of anybody I've ever met ever. And I blame my mom for that. Because <laughs> I'm super white like her. And I hate sunscreen. I hate putting it on. It just makes me feel gross. And then if I get burnt, I hate putting on... Oh, I'm cringing right now just thinking about it. Putting on the aloe to heal up my sunburn. I hate it so much. It makes me cringe. Ah, oh, I got... I've never been good with lotions and stuff like that. And my hand, like the back of my hand, because I, I just rubbed it on the back of my hands, is like glistening. But I just I just do not like creams and lotions. I've never liked them. It's been something that I've never liked my entire life. It's not something new that's popped up. I've just never, ever liked it. It just makes me... Ugh, makes me cringe because I it makes it's bad because I got sensitive skin... And I just don't like doing that stuff. It just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one of you can help me out if you're listening to this and get help me get over this. If you know somebody that could hypnotize me and say, Logan, you're fine with creams and lotions now. But that's probably not going to happen. I've just never, ever liked putting them on. This makes me feel weird after this. I like, I like stand still after I say like, Ugh. oh, and there's nothing worse. While we're on the topic of this, there's nothing worse to me then putting on like aloe or something or getting something on your back, like a sunburn or something, and then putting a shirt on. Oh my God. Oh, I'm, cr- I'm, I'm actually cringing right now. Like that. Oh my God. That just makes me, oh, I hate that feeling. I hate putting a shirt on after putting lotion or something on a sunburn. That feeling like it sticks. To the sh- oh, it's making me feel weird right now. I just, I can't. Okay. I got to stop talking. I got to stop talking about it, but yeah, let's just move on. Let's just move on. So we got Mock Draft 5.0 with the NFL Draft coming up tomorrow. We've got to do another Mock Draft. we got to do the final Mock Draft of the Mock Draft season. And, yeah, it's sad times because can't do Mock Drafts anymore, but it's also good times now I don't need to stress about it anymore. And we can just get the draft underway because the draft's just a fun thing to watch. It's going to be a really weird one to watch this year because of all of the technology involved in this and apparently uh so they had the technical difficulties with the Bengals first pick when they did their uh run through with the the online draft that they did on Monday but apparently John Elway came out and said after the Bengals pick after they figured that out it just went super easy it was super smooth nothing major came on it was just it was really easy pretty much it just nothing went wrong it was just it was perfect and yeah, it yeah, and I hope it goes as smoothly as what it sounded like it did the other day. Because if it doesn't go smoothly, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to watch. I'm not gonna lie. It's gonna be very hard to watch. But the draft's always fun. I everybody loves the draft. I haven't. I'm yet to meet one person that doesn't like the NFL draft. The NFL draft's just fun to watch. It's fun to predict. Even though it's so hard to predict, even th- this year, it's going to be the hardest year to predict it out of any year ever because teams have not been able to meet with players. There's not been a lot of meetings together with their different, uh, the different scouts and the GMs and all that. They haven't been able to meet together. They haven't been able to, to bring players in. They haven't been able to work out players. There's been barely any pro days. So it's just a weird time, and it's going to be the weirdest draft of all time. 
I'm very confident saying it's just going to be the weirdest draft ever. It's going to be weird. It's I. I just, I'm just ready for it. I'm ready to get it over with. Because now I just can stop stressing about it. And if if something goes wrong and the Bengals end up taking Nate Stanley number one overall, that'll be awesome. I would thoroughly enjoy that. And then once Nate Stanley proves to be a one of the best quarterbacks of all time, the Bengals could go, yeah, we didn't screw up on the pick. That's what we meant to pick Nate Stanley. We just we thought we'd throw a wrench in there, and we knew he was going to be our guy. But that's not going to happen, though. <laughs> I don't think anything could be that bad. That it would, But the trade thing is going to be weird. Because I don't know how the trade thing is going to work out. It's going to have to be probably the day of. So probably tomorrow we'll get a lot of more trades or trade rumors than actually on draft day. Because this is uncharted territory for every single one of these GMs. And this just never happened before. So no one really knows what they're doing. So if they want to throw in a trade but screw it up somehow, that's not going to be very fun. It's going to be very not fun. be very sad. But you know what? I don't care. Because we don't need to worry about messing it up. Because you know why? Because we're not actually being big decision makers. We are predicting people. We're predictors. We like to predict things. I don't actually know what's going to happen. I don't have any resources. I don't have any people that I can talk to. I am going off of the people that have talked to the GMs and teams off of what they said, what they think, and what they know. Sometimes these quote-unquote experts are very stupid. So sometimes it's just smart to stay away. So the people I would recommend listening to, before Mike Mayock went to the Raiders, Mike Mayock was the guy to listen to. That's why he's a GM in the NFL now. He is the guy to listen to in regards to scouting. I would just listen to the NFL Network with Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks are the two best in scouting for this. I think Matt Miller could be a decent scout in there. I think he's decent at what he does. But I just think Mel Kuyper is overrated, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to be mean, but yeah, I guess. Daniel Jeremiah is probably the best at this currently. I'd throw Matt Miller in there, maybe, and Bucky Brooks. The ESPN people are just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't know. Because you get, like, the random things of, if Jimmy Clausen doesn't succeed in the NFL, I'll retire. Uh, That didn't really work out. So you got random things like that that ESPN spews out. But you know what? It's whatever. We'll have to wait and see because, again, nobody really knows. This is going to be the hardest draft to predict ever. I don't even remember how many picks I got exactly right last year. I got a few right, but nothing too crazy. So let's see how we can do this year. Starting off with the number one overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals. We're using Draft Network's mock draft machine, thedraftnetwork.com. If you want to do a late mock draft, you can do it on here because you can do trades and stuff, and you can get actual trade back with certain teams. With the Cincinnati Bengals, Uh, It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Joe Burrow is going number one overall. He's from Ohio. His girlfriend's from Cincinnati. He played at Ohio State. The The owner met Joe Burrow. They love Joe Burrow. From what I can tell, from what I've heard, they love Joe Burrow. So they're going to take Joe number one overall. Now, let's not exclude the thing that could happen that we brought up the other week of a possibility of Joe Burrow heading to Miami 
with Justin Herbert heading the other way to Cincy. Because what if that happens? That would be very interesting to see if that happens. Andy Dalton's going to be there. I think Andy Dalton's going to be a very good mentor to two, uh, Joe Burrow. I think Andy knows his time as a full-time starter is done. He has come out and said he is fine being a backup in Cincinnati. He started since, I think, 2011. Was that how long Andy Dalton's been in the league? Maybe a few years, like, maybe like 2012 or something. But he's been the face of the Cincinnati Bengals franchise for a while now. And Joe Burrow is inheriting a decent team for a team that finished with two wins this year. The Bengals are not, or one, what did they finish with? Two and 14 or one and 15? I can't remember. But the Bengals have talent on their roster, which is hard to believe for a team that has the number one overall pick in the draft. You look at who they have on offense. They have A.J. Green, who's coming back, who set out the entire season last year, so you know he's, or you hope he's going to be healthy. You have Tyler Boyd on the other side. Then you have Joe Mixon in the backfield. Joe Mixon's going to get his carries. There's not going to be a lot of pressure, or there's going to be pressure, but he'll ease the pressure because of the weapons he has outside. I think Zach Taylor's a very smart head coach, or smart uh, quarterback guru type thing, I guess you could say. Worked with Sean McVay over in Los Angeles. Went to Nebraska, though, so we don't really know how well his judgment is. But, yeah, I think Joe Burrow to Cincinnati will work out and will be very fun to see how their future unholds. The Redskins at number two, Chase Young. Now the mystery's done. We know what number one and two are going to be. We know Joe Burrow's going number one. We know Chase Young's going number two. Because Daniel Snyder is enamored with Chase Young. So what Daniel Snyder says, that's what the Redskins are going to do. So the the Redskins draft Chase Young. And they will build a very nice and solid defensive line there in Washington. Look at what the 49ers did. Built a fantastic defensive line. And they went to a freaking Super Bowl. They're not saying the Redskins are that close. But if you look back at what the 49ers were last year, they were terrible. They were a bad team two years ago. And they went to a freaking Super Bowl this year. With a stout defense, a, a good quarterback, and one of the best tight ends in football. The Redskins don't have a tight end anymore because I think Jordan Reed's done. But you can build a good defense. That's the start of it. Ron Rivera's the head coach. Jack Del Rio's there as a D coordinator. They're going to be no nonsense there in Washington. I just hope Dwayne Haskins can prove he's the man, undoubtedly, in Washington, unless Kyle Allen beats him out, which I don't see happening, but there is a reason he got traded there. He's going to apply pressure to Dwayne Haskins. I think Haskins is good enough to do so, to win the starting job and keep the starting job, but you never know. Uh, Number three, uh, the Lions, there are three things they will do here. They will either trade back, they'll either draft Jeff Okuda, or draft Derek Brown. Those are the three things they're going to do in this draft. They might shock us and take Justin Herbert here. Other than that, they are going defense. Their defense is terrible. They have a defensive head coach, which makes this even worse. They lost Damon Harrison. They lost Darius Slay. They didn't really lose him. They kind of just let him go. Do you take Jeff Okuda or Derek Brown here? For me, I think the Lions are going to take Jeffrey Okuda, the corner from Ohio State. Lockdown corner, had zero penalties his last year at Ohio State. That is crazy to think about. And all the all the rules that benefit the offense and wide receivers in today's leagues, college and pro and football, it is insane that he had no penalties. That's how good Jeff Okuda is. 
He's a great corner. And the Lions would be smart to take him. You got Desmond Trufant on one side. Get Jeff Okuda in on the other side. You're slowly getting a better secondary that you had from last year. Your secondary was awful last year. You had the one of the worst pass defenses in all of football last year. Your defense is bad, which it makes it even it makes it terrible because you have a defensive head coach. So, I think you got to go Jeff Okuda or Derek Brown here, and I think Jeff Okuda will be the pick there for the Detroit Lions. Number four, the the New York Giants. I think they're going to go off to tackle. I think off to tackle is the pick here. And I think it's either going to be Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs. And maybe throw Andrew Thomas in there. So three out of the top four tackles will go to the New York Giants, I think. They will get the best tackle. that They though they will get who they feel the best tackle is. Joe Judge worked with uh, Jedrick Wills at Alabama. I think he could be the guy to fill in there. But there's been some rumors that Andrew Thomas is sliding up draft boards and could be the first offensive tackle taken with a rumor coming out today that the Miami Dolphins could trade it to the number three pick to take Andrew Thomas with the third overall pick and later select Jordan Love with the 18th pick in the draft. But for right now, I'm going to give the New York Giants Jedrick Wills from Alabama, reuniting with one of his former coaches in Joe Judge, you help protect Daniel Jones for the foreseeable future, and you help create more running lanes for Saquon Barkley. You don't want to waste his career. Saquon Barkley is one of the best backs in the NFL, and he is currently your entire team. So it's protecting Daniel Jones and getting blockers for your star running back is key. Now, Isaiah Simmons, a very big option there for the New York Giants. But I think right now, they will go with the off to tackle. The Miami Dolphins... Now, this is where it gets interesting. The Dolphins, there's been so many rumors that have come out about Justin Herbert and them liking Justin Herbert. That is what's concerning me about Justin Herbert going to Miami. There's been a ton of rumors linking those two. You don't get that unless you're trying to get someone else to trade up. The Dolphins, I willing to bet they will not draft Justin Herbert. They are still going after Tua, in my opinion. They are. They have said in the past months, like a few months ago, they're keeping Josh Rosen. That is incredibly smart if you're going to draft Tua Tagovailoa. Because if you draft Tua, you have Fitzpatrick already there. You have Rosen there. Tua does not need to see the field if Fitzpatrick gets hurt because you can just throw Rosen in there. Get Tua fully healthy, because even Tua has said a redshirt year would benefit him immensely. He would love a redshirt year, because he'd get fully healthy and get fully engaged with the system. Keeping Rosen there in Miami would be very smart for the Dolphins. Pair with Fitzpatrick and Tua. So I think the Miami Dolphins at 5 will just stay put at 5 and select the Alabama quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. So a top five right now in the NFL draft. I have Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Jedrick Wills, and Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, number six, the Chargers. The Chargers, out of all of the teams in the top six, can do anything with this pick. Tom Telesco is ne- he has never helped out the media in figuring out what he wants to pick. 
Never has. Like, if you look back a few years ago when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff got drafted one and two, or two and one, whatever, I said in the wrong order, the Chargers were expected at three. Here's the players the Chargers were linked with at number three. There was three of them. It was Ronnie Stanley, the tackle from uh, Notre Dame, who ended up going to the Ravens, DeForest Buckner, who ended up going to the 49ers, and Jalen Ramsey, who ended up going to the Jaguars a few picks later. The Chargers shocked everybody and picked Joey Bosa. The Chargers have a very big history of never telling their prospects, because even Joey Bosa didn't expect to go to the LA Chargers or the San Diego Chargers, whatever they were at the time. Chargers played a 3-4 defense. Joey Bosa came in weighing about 265. So that does not really work in a 3-4 defense because usually the 3-4 defensive ends are smaller defensive tackles. That's why DeForest Buckner would have worked very well with that defense, at least at the time. But Joey Bosa has turned out to be a stud pass rusher for the LA Chargers. Tom Telesco never gives any hints out. He's one of the most secretive GMs in the NFL. He always has, more often than not, he selects a very good player in the draft. Got Derwin James at 17 last year. How did that happen? I don't know. First team all pro his rookie year. How does that happen? How does Derwin James fall to 17 in the first place? And now here at 6, the Chargers, I don't think they're going to go quarterback, to be honest. I think it's going to be either Isaiah Simmons, Andrew Thomas, or Derrick Brown. That's what I think the Chargers will do here. For each pick, let's go over each pick. Chargers traded away starting left tackle Russell Okung to the Carolina Panthers for a starting right guard Trey Turner. Chargers right side of the O-line looks good. Brian Balaga, Iowa, and Trey Turner are there at the right side. You got Pouncey in the middle of the offense line. Your left guard and left tackle are still an issue. Andrew Thomas is the most pure left tackle in the NFL draft, according to a lot of people. Now let's go over the other ones. Isaiah Simmons. Chargers have sucked at tackling for, like, their entire existence. One thing the Chargers have sucked on is getting people to the ground. They've, for the longest time, have had a terrible rush defense. And once people get past the defensive line, their tackling has just not been good. So that's where Isaiah Simmons comes in. He had over 100 tackles last year, I believe. Or at least call, I can't remember. I can't, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm looking at the draft network right now. So that's where Isaiah Simmons comes in. Play him all over the field. Him and Derwin James, you know how much versatility they would have on defense with him and Derwin James? Like, that's insane. You got Chris Harris Jr. at corner, Casey Hayward at the other corner, Derwin James at safety, you got Nasir Adderley at one safety, and you bring Isaiah Simmons in at linebacker or edge rusher or whatever, your defense is looking a lot solid, more solid again. And then the case for Derrick Brown, the Chargers let go of Brandon Meebane, their big hog molly in the center of their defense, and now they don't have anybody there. So if you look at the Chargers' defense, they need linebackers, they need a D tackle. They need a left tackle. Those are their three biggest needs on the roster. The way Anthony Lynn talks about Tyrod Taylor, I don't think they're going after a quarterback here. Now, that could just be a giant smoke screen, and the Chargers could really just be going after Jordan Love here. Because I feel like out of all the quarterbacks, that's the one they really like is Jordan Love. But six might be a little too high for him. I know I had him going there in my last mock draft, but that might be a little too high for him. I think... Jordan Love and Justin Herbert go in the top 20 to where? No idea. 
I think Tua's top 10. I think Burrow's the number one. That's what my prediction. I got number one for Burrow, top 10 for Tua. Jordan Love, Herbert, top 20. Love might slip in the top 30. I don't know. But with this pick, the Chargers, ah, geez, this one's the hardest one out of any pick in the mock draft because they could do anything. They have needs all over the field. Defensive line, edge rusher, linebacker, not really edge rusher, but linebacker, defensive tackle. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I think the Chargers, who have had a terrible offensive line for years, will select Andrew Thomas here with the sixth overall pick in the draft. I did it. I couldn't think of I don't I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't think of one to do, so I did it. Uh so right now top six, Joe Burrow to Cincy, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Jedrick Wills, Tua Tagaviola, and Andrew Thomas is your top six. Number seven, Carolina Panthers. Three things. We've talked about how amazing the wide receivers and weapons are in the A in the NFC South. We have mentioned that numerous times. Panthers are facing all of those teams that have the best receiving cores and quarterbacks in the NFL. Panthers are not one of those teams. Panthers have a very good positionless linebacker in Shaq Thompson, and they also have a very good positionless linebacker in Isaiah Simmons there at number six. Or at, uh, not number six, at number, available at number seven. Panthers also need interior D-line help with Derrick Brown. Panthers also need help at corner. C.J. Henderson's there. Been hearing, hearing rumors that C.J. Henderson could be the pick here for the Carolina Panthers. But with this pick, I'm going to have them sticking in the Carolina area and going Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I think that's the pick here for the Carolina Panthers. Arizona Cardinals. I don't know what they're going to do here. I think there's been rumors that they're willing to trade back there's been rumors that they're taking the best defender available, and there's been rumors they're taking the best O-lineman available. All things very logical. But for this one, because of the Jaguars standing there at number nine and wanting to and looking to draft a corner or a wide receiver or something, I'm going to have the Atlanta Falcons trade up with the Arizona Cardinals and eventually, once I get this thing to go through, because I'm not—I'm only doing one round. So once this thing goes through, I don't really care what I send them for right now. But the Atlanta Falcons have to take a defender. They need a corner. And C.J. Henderson has been rising up draft boards as of late like crazy. He is the fastest corner in the draft. And he is going to be taken in the top 10, it looks like. So with... The eighth overall pick, the Atlanta Falcons take C.J. Henderson, cornerback from Florida. With the ninth pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm going to have them take Derrick Brown, defensive lineman from Auburn. I think he would fit their style of defense very well. They lost Calais Campbell or didn't lose him. They traded him away to Baltimore. Baltimore's building a very nice defensive line up there. Derrick Brown would slot right back into that defensive line for Jacksonville. I think it would be a very good fit. They did just release Marquise Lee, so wide receiver's an option here as well. But I feel like if Derrick Brown's available here at number 9, the Jaguars will pounce all over that. 
pun intended because it's a ja- it's a jaguar so they, they they pounce on things. Yeah. Good joke there, Logan. Thank you for the comedic humor that you provide here on the Logan Blackman show. With the number 10 pick in the draft, uh the Cleveland Browns are trading back. I refuse to believe the Browns are standing pat at number 10. I think the Browns have another player in mind that they would like later in the draft. So I have them trading back. And with right now with them trading back, I had them trading with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos had the worst red zone offense in the league last year. If not the worst, one of the worst. There's two people that they're going to be looking at here. It's either going to be CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy. you got a stud number one wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. you got a talented quarterback in Drew Locke. you got a talented tight end in Noah Fant. It's going to be Judy or it's going to be CeeDee Lamb. I don't know which one it's going to be. Recent reports, if you Google Jerry Judy, it has been looking like the Broncos are trading up to get Judy, which would be a very, very nice uh, number two option for uh, the Denver Broncos to partner up with Cortland Sutton. But he has a knee injury, which has been talked about a lot recently. I know it came up in, I think, 2018, but it's causing him to... Drop a little bit. Could he be falling for medical reasons? That's what it's looking like right now. I think the Denver Broncos, with uh, Jerry Judy, might very well be the best receiver in the draft. That might very well be happening. Happening. But it's going to be one of these two guys. It's got to be either Ceedee Lamb or Jerry Judy. And I'm going to do some more googling here because I got to. I want to see what the what the media thinks because I gotta I gotta narrow it down and I've gotta be as correct as possible. So whatever happens here, and reports are also that the Eagles really like Ceedee Lamb, so maybe they might trade up with the Browns as well. I think the Browns are trading back. I don't know how far they're trading back. I think they'll trade back at least once. They might trade back twice because I think they want someone else. We'll talk about them once we get closer to that time. Okay, so what's going to happen here? Who will they take? Who will the Denver Broncos take? It'll be CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy. 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 What will be happening here? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think they need, I'm going to take them CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb going to the Denver Broncos there at number 10. So, the top 10 in the Logan Blackman Show draft, 5.0. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Jedrick Wills, Tua, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Simmons, C.J. Henderson, Derek Brown, and CeeDee Lamb. Now we're sitting here with the New York Jets. New York Jets, uh, they need to protect Sam Darnold. I know weapons are going to be an option here with the likes of Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs being available, but they need to protect Sam Darnold. That should be priority number one. Their GM is a former offensive lineman, and I think they will take the best offensive lineman available. And in my mind, that is Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. So the Jets will take Tristan Wirfs there at number 11. At number 12, the Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, my bad, will take... Now, they're in an argument with two people. There's two people that the Raiders have been linked to a lot. Apparently, GM Mike Mayock loves CeeDee Lamb. Apparently, John Gruden loves... Henry Ruggs. 
with his ability to stretch the field. So with Ruggs, or with CeeDee Lamb off the board, the Raiders go with their next option there with their head coach and go Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from Alabama, add some legit scary speed on the outside. Because if you remember, Al Davis, former late owner of the Raiders, speed kills. That's the famous quote. You can't teach speed. Henry Ruggs, speed. So Henry Ruggs to the Oakland Raiders. or I keep saying that, Las Vegas. It's going to be a while before we can get used to saying Las Vegas Raiders, isn't it? So the Raiders, we're going to have them taking Henry Ruggs, the third from Alabama with the 12th pick. Now the 49ers, this is an interesting one. There talks about them possibly trading back with somebody. They need to trade back. They have no mid-round picks. They don't have any second-round picks. They have no third-round picks. Those are the picks that they are craving right now. They are going to trade either pick, 13th or 31. They are going to trade one of these picks. Now, I don't know what they'll do with either pick. Who they'll trade for? I don't know. Now, the Eagles will be an option here as well because the Eagles need some wide receiver help. Jerry Judy is available here at number 13 with CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs going at number 10 and number 12 to the Broncos and Raiders, respectively. But the 49ers also need to find someone to replace the outgoing DeForest Buckner. So could they take Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina? Now, I think there is an option here of the Falcons taking Javon Kinlaw and C.J. Henderson falls right into the 49ers' laps. I think that is a very big possibility. So if, if Javon Kinlaw is available for the San Francisco 49ers, it would be hard to pass him up here, wouldn't it? It'd just be very hard to pass him up. A pass rush win percentage out of the 2020 draft class and among D tackles, Javon Kinlaw had a 15.4% win percentage out of all the D tackles in the draft. Derek Brown had a 14.3. So do the 49ers just take... Javon Kinlaw with this pick here. He's a very talented defensive tackle. I think he'd fit in really, really well with the San Francisco 49ers on their defense. So if they can't find a trade back, they will just select Javon Kinlaw with the 13th pick in the 2020 NFL draft. I think he'd fit in perfectly with what they're doing on defense. The 49ers came out recently and John Lynch said they're going to be adding a playmaker at 13 or 31. They're just going to be looking for playmakers because there was reports earlier that they were adding speed at 13 and getting out of 31. That was what the report was early in the offseason when they first made the trade for the, for the Indian, with the Indianapolis Colts to trade away to Forrest Buckner. That was the reported news. But since they cannot get a trade back and Henry Ruggs is off the board, they just take the number one player on their board right now. That is Javon Kinlaw with the Buccaneers here at 14. They need to protect Tom Brady, so they take the best offensive lineman available, Mekhi Becton from Louisville. Mekhi Becton is a freaking animal. Six foot seven, 364 pounds. He's a monster. Absolute monster. Now, there was reports that he failed a drug test recently at the Combine, which could cause him to slide a little bit, but I don't think it will cause him to slide that far. If I think if he gets past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... 
then we're going to have some problems. So the four offensive linemen, the top four offensive linemen that have been widely talked about as the best offensive linemen in the draft, I have Jedrick Wills going to the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas going to the L.A. Chargers, um, Tristan Wirfs going to the New York Jets, and Makai Becton going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now the Cleveland Browns are back on the clock here at number 15, and their phone is now ringing again. Who is it this time? Someone's got to be trading up for a quarterback, right? Who will it be? Who will the Browns be trading with here in this draft? And let's see if this goes through, and then we will say it. The New England Patriots are on the clock here at number 15. Patriots have a buttload of picks. They have a ton of picks. Trading up to select their new quarterback, Justin Herbert, there at number 15. That's what my think. Think That is what I'm thinking right now. Justin Herbert at number 15 to the New England Patriots. Now at number 16, the Arizona Cardinals are back on the clock. Reminder, they traded back with the Atlanta Falcons who selected C.J. Henderson from Florida to help guard the likes of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, Manuel Sanders, uh, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, all those guys. They're helping get cornerback help by getting C.J. Henderson there, the fastest corner in the draft. I believe he ran a 4-3-9 at the Combine. So now we're back up with the Cardinals here at number 16. The Cardinals could do a couple things here. There was reports they were looking at a wide receiver here. Or not here, but at the 8th pick. Talking about taking C.D. Lamb to reunite him with Kyler Murray. Two Oklahoma teammates there in Arizona. But the Cardinals have an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. They got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald still there, Christian Kirk. And they drafted, I think, two or three of them last year. And Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. And I think they got one more, but it's just the names are escaping me right now. Those are the ones I remember. So I think wide receiver is out of the question here. So here with the 16th pick, the Cardinals, in their division, have some pretty talented quarterbacks. They have some pretty talented quarterbacks, to say the least. They got Jared Goff, uh, Russell Wilson, who's the best out of the bunch, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Very talented quarterbacks, decently mobile quarterbacks. And on their defense, the Cardinals have one legit pass rusher in Chandler Jones. They should have addressed or not should have, because I, I love Kyler Murray, so I'm, I'm fine with them doing this last year. But there was a talk that they should have gone with a pass rusher, like a Josh Allen in the draft, who ended up going to Jacksonville. Joey or Nick Bosa went to San Fran. Uh, Quinnen Williams, who went to the Jets, but he didn't really turn out to be that as good as predicted. So here at 16, I'm going to have the Arizona Cardinals take Kalevon Chison, the linebacker, the edge rusher from LSU. The Cardinals play a 3-4 defense. And you pair Chison with Chandler Jones, you have an insane pass rush. Chandler Jones is an elite pass rusher in Arizona. You get someone with the speed and length of Kalevon Chison. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I'm just assuming because that's how it's spelled. You're getting a stud edge rusher to pair with Chandler Jones. That is going to be nice. That is very nice. Very nice. So... Now at number 17, we have the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys can go a few directions here. They lost 
Randall Cobb in free agency to Houston. So they have a need at one wide receiver spot. They have Amari Cooper. They signed into a monster contract this offseason. So they have him still. They have Dak there. They lost Travis Frederick, the center. He retired. And the reports are they love C.J. Ruiz from Michigan. But is this too early to take Cesar Ruiz here? I think they also really like Kenneth Murray, who's called as one of the safest draft prospects this year, leader, and has just just a really good person, really good linebacker, who's my favorite linebacker outside of Isaiah Simmons in this draft. Like, pure linebacker, because Isaiah Simmons can play safety, corner, edge rusher, whatever, linebacker. Out of just linebackers, there's not a lot better than Kenneth Murray. And... The, the Cowboys have Sean Lee, who is in the very twilight of his career. You put Kenneth Murray in a defense with Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, that is a insane, insane defense. Insane linebacking core, anyways. Defense, eh, whatever. But that is a very good linebacking core. And they had a very good meeting with him. It got aired all over the place with Jerry Jones talking to Kenneth Murray on FaceTime. So is that a possibility that the Dallas Cowboys select Kenneth Murray here at number 17? I don't know. Because the Cowboys, as I just said, could do a lot of things with this pick. They need cornerback help. They lost Byron Jones to the Miami Dolphins this offseason. They need safety help, which they've needed for a while, to be fair. So Xavier McKinney could be an option here as well. They need other wide receivers. Uh, I think the two players they're really looking at are Clavon Chison and Je- uh, Javon Kinlaw, who are both off the board here by the time pick 17 comes around. So here, I'm going to have the Dallas Cowboys selecting Xavier McKinney, the versatile safety from Alabama. That's what I'm thinking is going on right now. They need help at safety. They need help at safety. They just need help in the defensive backfield. Getting the best safety in the draft with the versatility that Xavier McKinney has will be crucial for the Dallas Cowboys' defense going forward. Now, on the clock again are the Miami Dolphins, which, if you know anything about Brian Flores, who people have said he is a Bill Belichick clone, they are not going to... I think they're going to stockpile a couple picks here. And with this one, I'm going to have him trading back. Surprisingly, maybe. I don't think it's that surprising. It might be to some people, but you never know. Maybe it's not surprising. I'm going to have him trading back with the New Orleans Saints. And with the 18th pick, the New Orleans Saints take Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State. Much like uh, Patrick Mahomes when he got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, this is a Super Bowl roster. The Saints have a Super Bowl roster. They don't have a future quarterback. I don't care how much they talk about Taysom Hill being the guy and they view him as a quarterback. They, If he was really their guy, they would not have played Teddy Bridgewater for those six games that Drew Brees was out for. If they really believed in him as a quarterback, they would have let him actually play quarterback because they compare him to Lamar Jackson all the time. But when Joe Flacco got hurt, Lamar Jackson went in. He played. Lamar Jackson won the starting job. Taysom Hill is not, and I repeat, not 
a court, not the court. He's not Lamar Jackson, to say the least. He's not Lamar. So let's just get that out of the way. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's a good athlete, but he's not Lamar. So I need the comparisons to stop here with Lamar and Taysom Hill. I think the Saints love Jordan Love. I think he could fit in perfectly with what Sean Payton does. And he could be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. I think he'd be a very good quarterback to learn from Drew Brees. He's got all the tools to be an absolute beast in the NFL. And learning from one of the most accurate, one of the most, uh, what do you want to call it? The quarterback that makes one of the, the lowest number of mistakes in the NFL and Drew Brees, who is retiring at the end of the year. He's already signed a contract with NBC, so you know he's gone. So they need to get their quarterback in the future. And I think Jordan Love is the guy for the New Orleans Saints. So now we got four quarterbacks, or three quarterbacks off. No, yeah, still four. Four quarterbacks off the board here in the draft. Joe Burrow going to L, to Cincinnati. Tua Tagovailoa going to Miami. Justin Herbert going to New England. And Jordan Love going to New Orleans. I think the Green Bay Packers could also be in the mix here as well for trading up for a quarterback, but we will have to wait and see on that. And with the 19th pick... Here in the draft, we have the Oakland Raiders. Or I did it again, Las Vegas Raiders. But with the 19th pick in the draft, I'm going to have them trading back. Yes, Las Vegas Raiders trade back for... Las Raiders trade back. They trade back. Okay, they they just trade back. With the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this is very interesting. This is a very interesting trade because Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, has been working out with Lamar Jackson. They've been workout partners. Him, Jerry Judy, and Marquise Brown have been working out this offseason. Jerry Judy is still available here at number 19. I think the Ravens will do two things. I think they will trade up, and I think it will either be for Kenneth Murray or for Jerry Judy. That is what my gut is telling me here for the Baltimore Ravens. And with the 19th pick, I just think that Jerry Judy is too good of a prospect to pass up. If he comes this late, I think it's going to be hard for Baltimore to pass up on him. I don't. It's going to be really, 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 really hard for him to pass up, especially with your quarterback has been working out with this guy for however long he's been working out with him. And I think he could be a very nice fit. The Ravens have decent wide receivers, but not anything really special. Like, they have Marquise Brown. Uh, Willie Sneed's still there. Very good run blocking running back. It's it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna it's gonna it's going to be crazy. So I don't know what I'm gonna do here. The Ravens trading up to select Jerry Judy. They're going to make their quarterback happy, selecting Jerry Judy in the first round, and it's going to be crazy to watch. And with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock at 20, they just sprint up and take Justin Jefferson from LSU. Okay, so the Ravens take Jerry Judy there at number twenty or at 19, trading up with the Raiders. Jaguars take Justin Jefferson at 20. Now, the Eagles are on the clock here at 21. 
this is where it gets a little bit more interest because the Eagles could do a lot of things here. Cesar Ruiz is an option here. Uh, there's not really any wide receivers that they could take here at number 21 that would see him as a reach. So I think the Eagles, with this pick, I think the, the Ravens, I feel like they really like Kenneth Murray. But if Jerry Judy's available, I don't know if they can pass up and trade up to get him with Lamar Jackson. Being, Lamar Jackson is going to attend his, his uh, draft party. I think if Lamar Jackson wants Jerry Judy, I think the Ravens will be going to get him. That's just what my gut's telling me. I really like I I really like that um uh Kenneth Murray to Baltimore mix. I think that would work out very, very well. But if Jerry Judy's available by the time pick nineteen comes around, and the Raiders are looking to trade back anyways and stockpile some more picks, I think it'd be very, very interesting because there there was a GM that came out and said there's been this is the worst like mock draft period out of any year ever. So this could be one of those times where it's like Maybe Jerry Judy's the pick here for Baltimore, and we're just not even realizing it. So that's why I think they're in the with the Eagles. The Eagles could do a few things. Linebacker again, an option here. I think that's a very big option here. And interior O lineman. I know Jason Kelsey is still playing with the Eagles this year, but like what they did with Jason Peters or Andre Dillard last year. They drafted the guy to get coached up with I get I get coached up for their next draft, I guess. If that makes any sense. So with this pick, I'm gonna have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting uh crap. I don't really know who I want them to take. I don't know who I'm gonna have them take here. This is interesting. Like, reading up on draft rumors, do you think the Eagles really like CeeDee Lamb and stuff like that? If, if the Ravens don't take Jerry Judy and they take Kenneth Murray, then Eagles will take either Justin Jefferson or Jerry Judy. But with the 21st pick, I'm going to have the Eagles taking Kenneth Murray to help sure up their defense there for, for yeah, for the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You got good running backs in that division and Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Get some help tackling. Get Kenneth Murray in there, one of the most complete linebackers in the entire draft. And with the Minnesota Vikings on the clock at 22, they go ahead and take Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. Uh, they just lot they let go of Xavier Rhodes. They need help at cornerback. Their corner's been struggling for years now. Uh yeah, Trey Wayne. They've just needed a corner opposite Xavier Rhodes, but when Xavier Rhodes struggled, then they were just done. They lost Trey Wayne as well as I believe Cincinnati, so they just don't have any starting corners. So Jalen Johnson, I feel, is the guy that they could target here at number 22. And with the Browns on the clock at number 23, I think they will take Ezra Cleveland off to tackle from Boise State. Reports have been they love Ezra Cleveland here with the 23rd. With they just love Ezra Cleveland. I think they really like Andrew Thomas too, but with him off the board, they just trade back and get a guy that they really, really like while stockpiling more picks as well. And with the Miami Dolphins on the clock at 24, with the Minnesota Vikings right behind them, they just go ahead and take Josh Jones off to tackle from Houston. Get a guy to help sure up their offensive line. Their offensive line's terrible. They lost Jawan James to Denver, Laramie Tunsil to Houston. They just haven't filled anything out. They're going to drive to tackle in the first round. 
Where? I don't know. I think Josh Jones could fit in what Miami does. He started 45 games at left tackle for Houston, which is just really crazy to think about that consistency for that. 45 starts at left tackle in college is not easy. And he did that well at Houston. So with him available there at 24, the Dolphins just take him there with the 24th pick. Uh, With the 25th pick, the Minnesota Vikings on the clock again. I don't really know what they want to do here. I don't know what I want the Vikings to do. I think they'll go wide. I've been saying I think they'll go corner wide receiver in the draft. And I think they'll take a guy that's kind of similar to Diggs. A lesser version of Diggs, but a very good vertical threat in Denzel Mims from Baylor. I think he could fit in what the Minnesota Vikings want to do. They need wide receiver help to help Adam Thielen. And I think Denzel Mims could substitute for what Diggs did. A very good vertical threat. Very fast wide receiver. Could slot in very well with the Minnesota Vikings. And with the 26th pick, the Miami Dolphins take their running back, DeAndre Swift, from Georgia to help get that def- or get uh, their offense figured out. So you got your quarterback, got a tackle, now you got your running back. Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins rushing last year. He's like 40 years old. That should never be happening in, in anything ever. That should not happen. Ryan Fitzpatrick should not be leading your team in rushing. They need to take a running back. The best one in the draft is DeAndre Swift. Take him here at number 26 if all your other needs cannot be met at this point. With the number 27 pick, I'm going to have the Seattle Seahawks take Yatir Gross-Matos from Penn State. Get an edge rusher in there. The Seahawks' pass rush was terrible last year. I was even trading for Jadavian Clowney last year. They were one of the worst teams in the league at getting after the quarterback. So getting an edge rusher with the speed and athleticism that your tier gross miles possesses would be really smart for the Seattle Seahawks here at 27. Or the Raiders at number 28, I think they will take, where's he at? Cornerback uh, A.J. Terrell. Partner him up with Trayvon Mullins who they drafted last year. Get the Clemson duo back there. They tried to sign Eli Apple this offseason. Didn't work out. So now they go after the corner that helped paired up with Trayvon Mullen in a national championship winning season for the Clemson Tigers. Make the Raiders defense or secondary that much better because they have a good pass rush now with Max Crosby spearheading it. Now they get some help at the the cornerback spot with A.J. Terrell partnering Trayvon Mullen to get that Clemson chemistry back. Uh, the Tennessee Titans on the clock here at number 29. From what I've been hearing, Isaiah Wilson has been crawling up a lot of teams' draft boards and has been said as a possible first-round pick. So the Tennessee Titans take the big boy from Georgia, Isaiah Wilson, here at pick number 29 to help sure up their offensive line. They lost... Uh, crap. I lost... <laughs> Jack Conklin to Cleveland. I don't know why I couldn't remember his names. They have Taylor Lewan there on the left side. Get a big guy in there like Isaiah Wilson would help sure up the offensive line for the Tennessee Titans. And the Green Bay Packers at number 30, best player available. They need help at linebacker. They take Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU. Lost Blake Martinez this offseason. They got Christian Kirksey, but getting another linebacker in there will serve the Packers best for their team in the future. The 49ers on the clock again. You're going to have to trade back, if this would work, trade back out of the first round because, again, they need late-round picks. They have no second-round picks. Their picks consist of, after this, their next pick is a fifth-rounder. 
at pick 156. They need some late round, some mid round picks. They need them bad. <laughs> they have no second or third round picks. So the Cowboys trade back into the first round to select Caesar Ruiz, interior offensive lineman from Michigan, which slot right into center. They love reports are they love Caesar Ruiz. Get back into the first round, take him at pick 31. 49ers get their mid round picks. Everybody's happy there. And the last pick of the first round, the Kansas City Chiefs take Jeff Gladney, cornerback from TCU. So that is the Logan Blackman Show mock draft 5.0 done and dusted. So let's go recap what has gone on with mock draft 5.0. So we had Joe Burrow going number one to Cincy, Chase Young going two to Washington. Lions taking Jeffrey Okuda at number three. Jedrick Wills going to New York Giants at four. Tua going to Dolphins at number five. Andrew Thomas going to the Chargers at number six. Isaiah Simmons going to the Carolina Panthers at number seven. Positionist linebacker to pair up with Shaq Thompson. C.J. Henderson goes to the Atlanta Falcons with a trade-up with the Cardinals. Derek Brown goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. Car- Broncos trade-up with the Cleveland Browns to select C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. Tristan Wirfs goes to the New York Jets at number 11. Jeez, I just not, I knocked my table over and I blew out my candle. Dang it. Spilled my water as well. Not a great way to end the show. Uh, number 12, the New York, the Las Vegas Raiders select Henry Ruggs from La, from Alabama. Almost said Las Vegas. The San Francisco 49ers take Javon Kinlaw to replace DeForest Buckner here at number 13. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Makai Becton from Louisville, the monster to help protect Thomas Edward Brady. Speaking of Thomas Edward Brady, his former team, the Patriots, trade up with the Browns to select Justin Herbert from Oregon, trade up to number 15. The Arizona Cardinals select Kalevon Chison at number 16, the edge rusher from LSU to pair with Chandler Jones. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys take Xavier McKinney, safety from Al- Alabama, would help sure up that secondary in Dallas, very versatile safety. The Saints trade up with the Dolphins to select Jordan Love from Utah State. The the Baltimore Ravens trade up with the Las Vegas Raiders to select Jerry Judy from Alabama. He's been working out with Lamar Jackson this offseason. Lamar's going to be at his draft party, see if the Ravens make a move for Jerry Judy this year or Kenneth Murray. Look out for that as well. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars at number 20 take Justin Jefferson from LSU, best slot receiver in the draft. Get a weapon for Gardner Minshew there at number 20. Number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles take Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, the most pure linebacker in this draft. The leader on defense would help sure up the Eagles' defense this year. Number 22, the Minnesota Vikings take Jalen Johnson, cornerback from Utah. Bigger corner would help slot would slot right into the Vikings' defense and what they already do there. The Browns, after trading back twice, take Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. The Miami Dolphins, after trading back with the Saints, take Josh Jones from Houston. Started 45 games at offensive tackle for Houston in college. Comes with the pro slots right in for Miami day one. At number 25, the Minnesota Vikings take Denzel Mims, wide receiver from Baylor. Very speedy wide receiver. Would provide another weapon for Kirk Cousins along with Adam Thielen. Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. The Miami Dolphins at number 26 take DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Ryan Fitzpatrick led them in rushing last year. That's all I need to say about that. The Seattle Seahawks take your tier gross mottos from Penn State. Athletic speedy edge rusher 
to slot right into the Seahawks defense. A.J. Terrell goes to the Raiders at number 28. Isaiah Wilson goes to the Tennessee Titans at number 29 to shore up their off to line. Patrick Queen from LSU goes to the Packers at 30. Cesar Ruiz, the interior offensive lineman center from Michigan, goes to the Dallas Cowboys, who trade back into the first round to take him at 31. And Jeff Gladney, the cornerback from TCU, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs at number 32. Picks that I think might be wrong, but I made them anyways. Um, I think the C- the Falcons could also, also take J- Javon Kinlar, not trade up all the way to number 8. We could see the Broncos doing that in the draft, looking for a wide receiver with the Jaguars possibly thinking about drafting a wide receiver. The Broncos could move up to number 8. See, uh, The Falcons could just move up to number 9 or number 10, trade back with them. Uh, crap, I forgot, I forgot the Jaguars GM's name. Dave Caldwell used to work for the Atlanta Falcons. So possible trade-up situation right there. I think the Jets could look at a wide receiver here, but I think offensive lineman is the best position, the biggest position of need for the Jets. Uh, the 49ers could trade back, draft a wide receiver, or take Kinlaw. They might even, mystery pick, take uh, Mekhi Becton from Louisville would slot right in with their zone running team that they have there in San Fran. Uh, the New England Patriots, I don't know if they'll trade up for Justin Herbert, Reports are they really like Herbert, and I think they're going to have to move up to get him. So I think that's a logical pick there. For They might just trade straight up with the Browns at number 10. So look out for that if the Patriots do move up there for the quarterback from Oregon. Uh, I think the Cowboys could go with their linebacker, wide receiver, interior lineman, or safety. I just think safety is their biggest need that they can address here. Versatility is big, and Xavier McKinney would slot right in there. The Saints... I feel like Jordan Love's the perfect player for the New Orleans Saints for what after Drew Brees. I think that could work out perfectly for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Ravens, they might take... I think that Kenneth Murray is a very, very logical pick. I might as well have just flipped a coin and said Jerry Judy or Kenneth Murray because honestly, I could not tell you. I think they love both players. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a big say in there. And if Lamar Jackson wants Judy, they'll trade up to get Jerry Judy if he starts to fall. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, if the Ravens take Murray, then the wide receiver will fall to the Eagles. They need a wide receiver, but I feel like they can address that later. You got KJ Hamler, Brandon Ayuk, uh, T Higgins could all be available in the second. Jalen Rager could all be available in the second round to address that position there. Uh, the Vikings could get another corner. I think AJ Terrell could be an option here as well. Maybe Christian Fulton could slot in there for the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings at number 25, sticking sticking with the Vikings, could go off to alignment, get Cesar Ruiz because they need guard help. Pat Elfline should not be starting in the NFL anymore, so that could be an option. Edge rusher, also an option here. Maybe the surprise is to take Epineza here from Iowa. So look out for number 25 there for the Vikings. Um, the Raiders at 28, they might take Ross Blacklock. I think it's either a corner or Ross Blacklock for the, the Las Vegas Raiders here. If they trade back, I think Ross Blacklock's a very talented interior rusher, which would add to an already nicely building pass rush for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I don't know who's going to trade back in the first round. The 49ers at 31. Cowboys just seem like a logical picks. They love, reportedly love Cesar Ruiz, so they could trade back in to get him. And the Chiefs could go running back here. 
or interior O-lineman. That's why I had the Cowboys train back because I think they like Cesar Ruiz as well. So I had the Cowboys train back in, Chiefs selecting a corner. And I also, back moving back up, I don't know if Patrick Queen will fall all the way to 30. I don't know if that will happen, but if he is, expect the Packers to jump all over that. So that is my mock draft 5.0 live. I didn't have anything written down. I was doing this as we went on. So it could be very, very wrong. Probably will be very, very wrong. Because this is one of the most, the hardest draft to predict in recent memory. This draft's going to be impossible to predict. But it's going to be a fun one. I hope you all enjoy watching the draft. I hope you all enjoyed the show today. We'll have a full first round breakdown on Friday. We'll have Friday fun day. We'll release our tier list. So yeah, make sure you stay tuned for more Logan Blackman Show stuff coming up in the near future. For this Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman Show, we are signing off. Have fun watching the draft, and I will see you guys on Friday. Peace.